Emerald Farm Tours is a proud supporter of Students for Sensible Drug Policy. For over 25 years, SSDP has been mobilizing and empowering young people to end the war on drugs. Donate today at ssdp.org donate. Every year, millions of global travelers flock to California in search of the world's finest cannabis. Our job is to get these travelers very high and show them a great time. It's not always as easy as you think. Join us, your heady hosts and cannabis tour guides, Victor Pino and April Black, as we spend an hour each episode trimming back the storied nuggets of life in the weed tourism game. We'll be joined by our friends, colleagues, and cannabis tourism legends from across the globe. So get on board the weed bus, buckle up, and as always, smoke them if you got them. You're about to get high on tour with Victor Pino and April Black. Hello and welcome to High on Tour with Victor Pino and April Black. You're back with it. We're back with another episode, another stony episode here of uh, a great podcast series that we've created to tell you all about cannabis travel tourism. What's the hotness in those areas and markets? Um, let's start. Let's let's start first by introducing our good friend April Black. Well, hello, everybody. How are you, Victor? I am doing great, April. And I have a special guest uh, today with us uh, on our show, uh, my dear friend. And uh, I've been on his podcast a lot, but now he's on our podcast uh, today. Uh, uh, for the 420 wrap-up, I've invited our good friend Dan Grassroots Goldman from Marijuana Tomorrow. Dan, how are you, buddy? Great, Victor. How are you? Hey, April. Thanks for having me. Doing great, bud. Thanks for being here. We're excited to uh, debrief uh, what was a very good 420 for us. Um, I guess all of us, right? And uh, everyone in the United States had a great 420 this year. It seems that uh, the, 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 the COVID tides have, have subsided and uh, we are back in business or starting to be back in business here with, with just events and uh, kind of, you know, a lot of what we do here, April and I uh, uh, are putting on events for people. So um, let's start with you, Dan. Where were you for 420 and what did you do? Uh, I spent my 420 at Club Amazura in Queens, in Jamaica, Queens, with the uh, New York Harvest Festival's big kind of marketplace and event. Uh, it was wonderful. It was really, you know, the first time that we've had a legal 420 in New York City and Rob Robinson, who's been putting on New York Harvest Festival events going back decades, Rock Against Racism events uh, for years, really came through and outdid himself this time. It was from a New Yorker's perspective to see, you know, uh, dozens of vendors, each with their flowers and products all available, not just, uh, you know, the, the ancillary products that we're used to seeing, you know, tie-dye T-shirts or uh, pipes. This was everything that you have been enjoying for the last 15 years or longer in California, finally making its way to the East Coast, to the Northeast, and really just being fully appreciated, not just by obviously all the participants of the event, but by the owners of the venues that the, you know, it was hands off the NYPD, nowhere near uh, the place, despite having a precinct around the corner. So it was just an absolutely incredible 420 event, one of many here in New York City. 
Uh, I didn't get to obviously get to all of them, but between the fish concert, Madison square garden, uh, there was, you know, just a unknown number of people, tens of thousands in Washington square park for 420, um, you know, various brands did an event at SOBs. It was really, it was a great 420 for New York for the first time where cannabis has been legalized. And, uh, I was, I was, I was thrilled to just be, uh, speaking and be a part of the event and, uh, you know, to continue the sort of vein for the legacy farmers in the Northeast to continue to have an outlet. So it's not just all the corporate cannabis that Cura Leaf or Cresco grows that New Yorkers have an option to get their cannabis from real farmers directly. Oh here, yeah, here. that's here, awesome. Here. New yeah. York's been doing it for a long time, but having it like that with vendors, with weed, with hash, people's open yeah. consumption. Yeah, they had an outdoor consumption space. You couldn't smoke inside. Uh, you know, New York's still pretty strict about indoor smoking rules, no matter what it is. But anywhere yeah. that you can smoke tobacco, you can smoke cannabis in New York State. So everywhere outdoors that's not a public park, pretty much, um, you know, right in front of a school or something, is free game. And so we were right in the smoking section outside the venue. Everybody was enjoying it. There was edibles, you know, to be consumed inside. And dab bars set up. You couldn't vape inside. You just couldn't smoke inside. So it was wow. great. It was really, it was, wow. it was just like I remembered the, you know, cannabis events when I was a bud tender in California, only back here in New York. That's incredible. I, that's, that's an amazing, you know, for, for those of us who have a connection like April and I and Dan uh, to the New York metro area, you know, uh, Dan and I. Uh, being from you know the great state of New Jersey and uh, originally and uh, and they and in April having lived in in Jersey City uh, for quite some time of of her career and her life um, you know we do have a connection to uh, this the you know the the world of cannabis out there and I was really happy as well to hear that New Jersey congratulations went yes. full adult recreational on April twenty first the day after four twenty why. Why didn't well, they do it for 420? Just to <laughs> be cute. Dan, why? Do you know do you know why? I mean, we talked about it on the podcast last week on episode 102 of Marijuana Tomorrow about how just logistically difficult it would have been for them to have done it on 420 as the first day. It's already a crowded day. You know, retail workers and dispensaries are, are slammed on 420, even without adding uh, you know, the kind of lines that you're gonna see for the first day of legal sales. And we saw people lining up, you know right at midnight uh, oh i believe it i believe it now i just want to know has new jersey run out of weed yet i don't think so that certainly has been a concern you know some of the bigger companies had uh spent the last few months gearing up for advanced sales and we're actually concerned because you know really the answer in new jersey wasn't you know why didn't they start on 420 or 421 but why couldn't they have started on april 1st really you know started the or april 2nd whatever if you don't want to do april fool's day but you know, why we had to wait this long, it should have been done months ago. This shouldn't have been something that pushed up against 420 at all. And then we wouldn't have had, we could have dealt with the long lines in the wintertime, um, you know, rather than now in the spring. But we'll get there, you know, like all new legal states, you're going to see some supply and demand issues at the beginning. You're going to see some elevated prices at the beginning. But hopefully as New Jersey continues to license new uh, growers and retailers, that we'll see all of those prices come down to reasonable levels. And if not, well, the traditional economy will always meet the demand that the regulated market can't. 
That is true. That Absolutely. is true. Absolutely. Told told to us by the – oh, oh, my gosh. Told to us by the, the man himself. Um, Dan, I, just a quick, uh, a quick uh, interjection here for our typical regular guests – uh, on the show, our listeners on the show, uh, Dan has a long history in um, you know being a New Yorker and being uh, an active uh, you know activist and active in uh, moving the the policies forward in in the Northeast. Dan's uh, Dan and my involvement goes back to uh, Students for Sensible Drug po- Policy. So shout out to SSDP SSDP.org if you haven't checked it out. Um, slash donate yeah, if you're yeah, slash donate if you have the Bitcoin for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, we are we are very very connected uh, to the Northeast through family, through friends. Dan lives there, uh, and I think that it's it's you know we had our we we worked together to to bring legal legal medical cannabis. Uh, to New Jersey uh, when I was living out there, and uh, Dan is definitely a an active warrior in the fight against prohibition, and an active warrior in making sure we all uh, can uh, can have a little bit of fun and uh, not get locked up or thrown in Rikers for it. So uh, yeah, so April, on to you. Let's hear a little bit about what you did on four twenty. Well, I had kind of a really low-key 420, but we did have our big ribbon-cutting ceremony down in Grover Beach. Whoa, congratulations. Thanks, in front of the hashtag GB60, and that's the tourist sign that they have there to celebrate the 60 years of Grover Beach being Grover Beach. So anyhow, they uh, the Chamber of Commerce came out, about seven people came out, they had a nice big ribbon for me. Big old scissors. They were so stoked about 420. Now, a couple of people who came who were on the chamber said, oh, I saw this on the calendar and I thought this was cool. And I knew what this was about. So I wanted to come. And then other people had no idea. But the chamber as a whole is so embracing and open and accepting of cannabis tourism. And they want me there. They make me feel really positive and wanted. So I'm very excited to be doing tours down there. And uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. And then we went and ate some barbecue and then went home. Well, well, it sounds like you had a very good and productive 420 despite thinking it was mellow. It sounded like a lot of fun. It was fun. It was mellow fun, you know, but it compared to my 420s of of your of yesterday, <laughs> running around cannabis cups and working at a wristband uh, situation, so IDing people so that they can get to the medicating area and having you know ten thousand people there, it was very mellow just to be around ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I did not have a mellow four twenty. Mine was full of rage faces and good times and lots of lots of weed, lots of weed and uh, hippie hill. And uh, I even ran into uh, Jeffrey Ross, the great uh, Jeffrey Ross, uh, com- comedian Jeffrey Ross oh, um, on Hippie one. Hill. Roastmaster General. Roastmaster General, born in New Jersey, another New Jersey native, you know, from Union, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we sat and we talked and I took a, took a little selfie with the, with the man. I was really happy to have run into him uh, kind of backstage there in, uh, in Hippie Hill. 
And uh, it was, I got to, let me just start from the beginning. Cause I guess, you know, let's start, let's start from left the top, please. Yeah, from the top. Right. So we're headed into San Francisco uh, right about uh, 11 AM, which is already a late start for me. Right. Cause I like to be in the city really early on 420. Um, but already we were already off to a stoner start um, uh, this year at 11 AM. We left for this, for San Francisco, uh, made it all the way out there, uh, connected with some folks, had some pizza. I actually ended up at uh, ended up in North Beach having some uh, Golden Boy pizza, which is like the quintessential North Beach slice uh, out there. And, and that was about all I ate until after 420, which was a smart thing to do. Had I not eaten lunch, I would have fallen apart. Harm reduction, guys. Got to got to keep hydrated. Got to keep eating. Um, you then I uh, I moved on to uh, over to Hippie Hill. Ran into a bunch of friends. Ran into you know guy the guys from uh, Compound Genetics, Chris, Jimmy Devine. Uh, ran into you know the whole crew, uh, Dylan from Globs. We were all, you know I had my. A group of folks that I was with, Sabrina on my team and some other folks, we kind of walked around, found some faces, went to the consumption and purchase areas within Hippie Hill, which is within Robin Williams Meadow over in Golden Gate Park, which was the first time they did that. So they they were selling weed on site through a delivery service, through delivery permits and such. Okay. Really exciting. And it was really, and you know, what was really great was that the lines were long and people were happy to stand in them and purchase the weed. I thought it was great. I thought... You know, they did a good thing by making it, you know, 21 and over. So it was a little bit less, you know, you didn't have to worry so much about, you know, just everybody was safe. Everybody was cool. Um, you know, we got to spend a lot of time down by the stage, uh, got to meet the United Players, got to meet a lot of different of the local community who, groups. Who performed? Uh, oh, so I was there. So there was a lot of performances. So there was, uh, you know, Burner and there were, uh, there were, you know, some, you know, Mike Tyson was on stage for a little while before his, uh, be before he before flew out of SFO. Out. Yeah, before oh, his punch man. out at SFO. Correct. Yeah. So he's on stage, you know, producing good vibes the whole ride, the whole time, you know, so it was good. And then, uh, and then uh, <laughs> that punch heard yeah. around the world, by the way, he was supposed to be he was flying to Miami for the Benzinga Capital Conference. And Chris Crane, who's also a former SSDP and is on my podcast, Marijuana Tomorrow, each week, he was going to be uh, moderating that panel that Mike was supposed to be on. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, uh, if you follow TMC or any celebrity news, really, uh, you know, he didn't make it on that flight. Nope. But, uh, nope. you know, these things happen. Lesson learned. Don't provoke Mike Tyson, even on a 420. Uh, I know. I, that was kind of a silly video. The guy ate more of his ear bites. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Which are I? I, don't, I heard those are not allowed for sale in uh, Colorado. Is that true? I think that's true. I think oh. there's something too cartoonish about what happened there that doesn't allow oh, them to right. sell. I mean, I, I thought all the gummies had to be a certain. Like they couldn't be like fun shaped. Yeah, they can't be fun yeah. shapes. I think that's Isn't part of the rule. So, yeah, it's a little too fun for them. I think a ear with a bite out of it. Yeah, a little too fun. Pretty a little fun. too fun. Yeah, it's pretty too much fun. fun. Not if you're a Vander Holyfield, but yeah. Yikes. <laughs> oh boy. Holyfield. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so overall the, the weekend or the weekend, the day, Wednesday, 420 was a Wednesday this year. Uh 420 was a was a solid wrap this year. I finished my 420 eating like the gnarliest, like amazing cheeseburger at like five o'clock. 
in uh, in in downtown San Francisco, just out of a food truck, and it was amazing. I mean, it was really the the apex of a good four twenty was that that cheeseburger. So um, I had a great time with that. And, I regret my barbecue. Oh no! Yeah, it wasn't so good. It wasn't uh, it was, so bad. It just wasn't the best. I was, uh, you know, milk was a bad choice. Ooh, what were the four twenty munchies in New York like, uh, Dan? You know, uh, there was there was a brownie a baking competition at oh, cool. the uh, the Cannes Festival the, the Rob Robinson put together the four twenty event that I was at. The uh, lemon bars were a surprising hit from one of the vendors. I'm not usually a lemon bar fan. But these were uh, exceptionally both potent and, and and really quite tasty. You know, oh. I always said, uh, you know, before I worked in California at a dispensary, the if you were trying to sell me a brownie and I couldn't taste the cannabis in it, like how do I know you really know what you're doing? That there's any medicine in this in this edible? And now after working at a place, you're like, oh, I can taste the cannabis in this. Like, <laughs> what kind of baker are you? You know, yeah. this is garbage. If I could, I, I assume the cannabis is in here because you're not a scam artist, but yeah, if you're making me, uh, you know, feel like I'm chewing through stems and seeds and leaves, then uh, it's not really a great brownie. But there were some really good edibles at the uh, at the event. Not quite the the breadth and range that I remember from California. You know, you had the same kind of uh, no heady goo balls, huh? Uh, oh, balls. No, but you know what I did see, which I'd never seen before, were edibles uh, made to look like nugs like flowers oh i've seen yes yes so that was that was the one of the two things that really impressed me you know you go to these events for so long there's very very little new each year right and not a lot that year yeah not a lot that i'm like oh wow i'm really impressed i've never seen that before but these were you know like the people can make anything from a on a cake at a fondant this was kind of what that looked like without all the nasty uh, fondant itself it was it was uh, like chocolate right it's like a chart i've seen that 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 type of product before it blew my mind i had somebody I had some. somebody yeah somebody came over with them and i was like that's is that a nug and it looks exactly like weed it's like rice crispy chocolate like white yeah, chocolate yeah. and they add like a little bit of green to it and it just makes it perfect it's so good um, no, the shape and the consist i mean it, honestly i was afraid of just getting it mixed up you know, that I had to take the edible and start grinding it up and then try and smoke uh, it. <laughs> in the grinder, just putting some chocolate yeah, It's like, grinder. oh, no, I ruined the grinder now. It's all chocolate. <laughs> um, so, so tell me what the vibe was like in Washington Square Park. I don't know if you made it through there, but I heard it's pretty shoulder to shoulder in, in New York City this yeah, year. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to get over there, but the, oh, that's them. April's that's got them. Them. April's got the buds. April's got that's the amazing. nugs. That's the yeah, chocolate That's how they look. They're just. Yeah. Uh, white I, chocolate that's dyed green that's like got crisps in it, crisps in it. yeah it, it, god bless who the innovators are <laughs> the things that after all this time still blow my mind uh in the cannabis space it's great yeah washington square i was unfortunately able to get there but i did see the pictures and i talked to uh, steve bloom from celebstoner.com who was there and you know it was as crowded as the old before the uh, first Saturday in May events, which is coming up this May seventh, uh, oh, the Square before, March. Yeah, before the Global Marijuana Watch was moved out of Washington Square Park in the nineties, in the late nineties, they would have some crowds that were like that, where people, you know, like heard Cypress Hill would be coming. Uh, the rumors in the suburbs were that they would throw out, you know, joints of free weed. And that would really get all the you know suburban kids out into the crowd. But this, I think, was very 
obviously, you know, Washington Square Park draws a regional crowd from all around New York City and the metro area, not just, you know, in Manhattan and Greenwich Village. But you take all the NYU students, all the rest of the community, everybody from the city just looking for an outdoor spot. It was nice weather. It was warm that afternoon. So it was really something special to see just that many people, clouds of smoke. I mean, Washington Square Park, even without an event, is still a magnet. And there's open air uh, vending, people with, you know, a little card table set up and they have uh, less than the decriminalized amount. So they're they're safe and and it's it's a wonderful thing to see, not just, you know, the cannabis trade kind of jumped into a corner and people have to you know kind of quietly, you know, you go looking for weed, look for weed. But there's uh, just a freedom, an openness, a welcomingness, a lack of fear. You know, even in a year ago before this law was passed, you would still kind of look over your shoulder. We didn't have the same kind of arrest rates that we had under Giuliani and Bloomberg where stop and frisk was, you know, bringing in 50 to 80,000 arrests a year, making New York City the marijuana arrest capital of the world. Right. True. And to go from that in just a few short years, to go from that level of, I don't want to call it paranoia, but because it was, you know, it was, it was justified. It wasn't irrational. It's but fear. that level of fear yeah. at any moment in downtown, if you were, you know, you can look both ways and make sure there was no cops and then pack your bowl. And while you put your head down, you feel a tap on the shoulder, and all of a sudden, you know, your evening is ruined. You've got, you know, when they went to just desk appearance tickets, that was a great progress. But you were used to be looking at at least 24, 36, 48 hours locked up in a holding cell before you got to see a judge and get released. And if you got arrested over a busy weekend, over a holiday weekend— yeah. It could be, you know, until Monday morning if you were. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm sure so. you and I know a lot of people who spent the, the those three days in Rikers waiting for a for a for a judge appearance for a for an appearance. So yeah, I mean, look, you know, the late great buddy Kenny of mine spent uh, spent three nights in Rikers of his life uh, over a weed 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 hit at a at a fish show in New York City. It was sad. Yeah, and then and then fish this year, you know, doing four four twenty shows over the weekend really brought an amazing crowd. So you had a lot of the fish fans down in Washington square park in that afternoon before going to the show at the garden. And again, you know, the garden for fish, a place where literally every year at new year's, we would hear about, you know, how many people they arrested just walking past and it ruins, you know, it ruins the whole trip. And the same thing at all of these events that, you know, you would bring thousands of people to a place and you would get a couple of arrests. And when they moved the, uh, the, the global marijuana March from Washington square park initially down to battery city, uh, park down there, marching from City Hall all the way downtown, and now we're in Union Square, which is a much better sized location and uh, area and park for the event. But you and I cops just kind of walking through the crowd and waiting for somebody who didn't see them, right? Light up, and then that's it. That's, that's your weekend. Yeah, game gone. over. So game over. Yeah. To go, to go from that to go from you know the thousands of dollars of fines, just the the looking over your shoulder to not having to look over your shoulder anymore. I think it was really the. You know, we celebrate a lot of things, and in the future, you know, there's going to be different brands moving in. They're not all going to be good, and yada yada yada. But for now, for this first 420, I think not having to look over your shoulder anymore is the, is win. the thing that we can be the most proud of. Yeah, you know, the yeah. work that activists have done. Yeah, uh, that's great. No, that's the point. That's really positive, Dan. I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that because you know uh, I always tell the story of when people ask me about my my weed my weed life experience. Uh, I felt very much that same level of freedom from fear 
uh, when I moved from the East Coast ten, you know, ten plus years ago to the West Coast. Yeah, and, it's great and living there. in it's a, really and sucks and got, to go yeah. back to another place. Yeah, and then and feel got, that you know, paranoia again. It's yeah. really uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, and I'm so happy uh, and proud that my home state of New Jersey and now New York and now a lot of the Northeast states have followed yeah. suit. Um, are are letting down their oppressive, uh, you know, anti-cannabis regime in favor of a legalized system that, you know. And shout out the uh, as acting attorney general of New Jersey who issued a memo making it very clear that law enforcement in New Jersey, if they use cannabis that they bought from a store legally uh, – and their off-duty hours can't be punished by yeah, their department. I so let me ask a question. Did you see that video circulating about it was like a Newark, Newark PD officer like just blazing and handing off a joint to like somebody on the street? And, the oh, they walking yeah, walking across the crosswalk. Was that oh. real? Were my eyes just like deceiving me? There's legit a video. You've got to check it out. It's on yeah. the internet somewhere. It's a Newark cop standing in front of like a Newark police cruiser and he's just like ha- hitting a blunt and hand it to some dude on the street like enjoy bro like have a nice day and then the, they walk about their separate ways if that's really what's happening god bless america that is the kind of place we need to live in you know uh again you know it's something that i think you're supposed to wait till you're off duty but can't <laughs> okay. whether hey, or not he was the, off duty in the yeah, uniform neither can but i man, but i he looked mayor very off You know, <laughs> Newark is electing and re-electing Ross Baraka as their mayor. Uh, Miri Baraka's son, uh, legendary poet Amiri Baraka. Then maybe uh, we've really turned a corner and, you know, let the Ross fly across uh, all of Newark. Oh, God. It's been such a it's, it's such a turning point for, you know, the East Coast, such a turning point for New Jersey, New York. You know, it's it feels, you know, it's really interesting because having – the ability to straddle these two ecosystems and understanding kind of what's happening on the West Coast with legal weed and what's happening very quickly and changing on the East Coast with legal weed, you know, it's incredible. Uh, we just came out of the heels of 420. And I think if you interview two different, you know, shop owners, one from New York or New Jersey, one from California, you're going to hear two very different stories of what their 420s were all about and and what they felt like. I feel like a lot of us don't talk enough about what's happening here on the West Coast, particularly in California. Um, Currently, we have, you know, this insane amount, uh, these insane taxes that are that are uh, kind of a little bit too far of a reach into uh, the operations and the daily day to day of uh, of of our cannabis businesses, and it's making it very difficult for small mom and pop craft businesses to survive. And so, when you when you turn to a state like New Jersey that has twelve, you know, monopoly like operators. Uh, that are that are making a ton of money and and they've been able to keep the taxes low and 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 make a profit. Like I mean, we're hurting out here. I mean, ounces in New Jersey, yeah, but yeah, hold on a second. my ounces oh, in New Jersey are still going at four hundred dollars. Like you know, there is a competition. Like if we had interstate commerce, if we were able to get California and Oregon cannabis into the New Jersey and New York marketplace, we wouldn't have the same issues that. You know, it's not like people in New York and New Jersey don't want to smoke the uh, pink certs that won the Trans Bay. You know, shout out sense. Shout out sense. (laughs) People want the best cannabis. You know, everywhere they know that it's out there. They've been to Colorado and California. They know what sort of product lines they should expect. And 
it's a shame that you are limited to just, you know, the moldy offerings by Cure Leaf sold at $400 an ounce in New Jersey that they sell for $100 an ounce in Maine. Yo, I'm not, I'm, yo, I'm not. I'm not contesting that statement. All I'm simply saying, though, Dan, is there are different sets of problems being experienced on the different coasts right now. Oh, definitely, definitely. And coming out of 420, you have the West Coast in a different. The West Coast operators in a very different place than the East Coast operators. Yeah. And yeah, and I feel like you know, I just got to shout out my West Coast you know, family here that's struggling, you know, the, the small operators, the moms and pops that are struggling in the face of giant corporations that are struggling in the face of, you know, uh, increased taxes, increased operating expenses, increased costs. Like it's not easy, right? It's not easy to run a business in California. April will tell you that I will tell you that it's not cheap. It's not easy to run a business hard stop, you know, in California. So, um, I feel really bad for a lot of these guys on the West coast that, uh, are struggling even through 420 and we're hoping to see 420 be a boom, uh, for their business. Uh, uh, but they're not seeing it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited that we're, slowly legalizing the rest of the country. But I think that, the, you know, here on the West Coast, we're still looking for some big change in the face of continuous, uh, you know, efforts to stifle and uh, de facto prohibit cannabis and cannabis uh, the, it just stifle the industry, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, it's obviously they're different. They're different worlds in the traditional market in California of farmers. Um you know, they've always been able to get their, their product and their crop out to the rest of the country. They've been supplying the rest of the country's cannabis for generations. Right. And, you know, we can create these artificial boundaries and say that, you know, all cannabis for adult sales has to be sold in state. But that's not, you know, a reflection of the market. You can make it up whatever you want. But the, the, the truth is the economic fundamentals are what they are. Those laws of supply and demand are invaluable, as Adam Smith on my show likes to say repeatedly. Uh, not just because his name is Adam Smith, but it's true. You know, these economic laws can't be wished away just because you say no cannabis from out of state can come in. And so you're going to see eventually these, you know, consumers in the Northeast really demand the same quality and prices that they're seeing in all the other states that they've been to, whether it's Massachusetts or Maine or Vermont, um, places with more mature markets in the Northeast. And you see it in Washington, D.C. as well with the you know, the, the black market or gray market, the sticker shops, and those are all over New York now. There's, you know, you can almost can't walk down the block. I live now in the East Village, literally down the street from me on Avenue B is a uh, arts uh, store, a uh, community arts organization that incentivizes donations to downtown arts organizations through their sales of, or through their, 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 their transactions of cannabis, I guess you can't call them sales, but, uh, it's, um, you know, they're cracking down on the sticker shops, on gifting, on these kind of workarounds that we had. But until the stores are as numerous as liquor stores, you will have uh, various workarounds popping up. And those workers here are doing the same, you know, Lord's work as all the workers in the licensed stores in Illinois and all the other, you know, Michigan, all those other relatively new legal states. Um, that are, you know, especially out of 20, just absolutely killing it from the moment the stores open to the moment they close their doors. Those yeah. are, I believe it. you know, yeah, those are crazy days for, for, for a cannabis industry worker, for sure. 
That's a really good segue. And it's, in, you know, back into the idea of cannabis tourism into New York. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about when a typical cannabis tourist go, you know, explores New York City. When, you know, what you're hearing, what you're seeing on the street from your friends, the people you interact with. When, when folks arrive in New York City, what is the typical cannabis tourist seeking out? What's the first couple of things they look for, right? They look for weed, right? I mean, what, what's if you're if you're hitting New York State right now, I know there may not be a lot of formalized opportunities for cannabis tourism, but people are coming into the state for cannabis. And so what are they what are they encountered with? What are they what are they what are they what are they presented? What are their options, right? They have yeah. options. I mean, honestly, like first of all, my friends aren't tourists, but uh, <laughs> even the ones who come in here to visit from out of town. But uh, the the options in New York state right now are um, gray market options, right? You can buy a one day membership to a place that will allow you to you know, basically shop the same way you would in a smaller dispensary in the West coast. They have, you know, flour and concentrate and edible and pre-roll options. And uh, that's really what you're limited to. You're limited to that. There are people, like I said, who will just set up a small folding table on the street in the corner in a park and, you know, in the past, you might wonder whether or not those are uh, legitimate vendors, but there's no reason to be illegitimate at this point. You know, like, you don't have to say, oh, officer, if I got caught, it's not really weed, so you can't really arrest me. Um, there's still those trucks, those wrapped, uh, those guys, I think, are still oh, running Oh, those trucks. I remember yeah. those trucks. What they're are those trucks? There. What are those trucks for the listeners? What are those trucks? The, uh, they're trucks. I don't want to name drop them. I mean, they sell. No, but they're, but they're like, a, they're, sell, they're selling. Weed World it. is the one that you should avoid. <laughs> what yeah. you uh, Weed World. They're Weed, Weed World. World candies. They're, uh, they're bands that are very colorfully wrapped with, you know, what make you think they're selling cannabis. Well, like and Weed Candy or. Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll sell you, you know. Literally, the P.T. Barnum, you know, there's a sucker born every minute. Well, when yeah. you're selling three dum-dums for uh, $10, you are literally finding suckers every minute. Uh, but those vans have been... And they call them cannabis names, and they have them painted on the side of the van. Yeah, yeah. Everything's got a Blue Dream, a Jack Herrera, a Haze, this, cookies, uh. yada, yada. Um, but then there's there, there's imitation ones that aren't Weed World, the, brand, the name brand. And they have a storefront, too, now. Mm. But there's secondary ones that also have the same kind of colorful painted van. And then there's even a third tier of people who are like, I'm not even going to worry with the paint job or the wrapping with the stickers. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to sell cannabis like, you know, an ice cream truck or something would. I'm just going to post off in a corner and people can just show up like a food truck. You know, you're getting your three carnitas tacos. You're getting your three. You walk uh, up to the trap table on the corner and just buy some A's. I like that one. So, so those are those are out there and they're available. And you know what? Like, if the Wee World trucks kind of stay in Midtown, where you can find a lot of tourists and suckers, the the less wrapped ones go to where people in New York actually live, uptown, out in the outer boroughs, and they serve the community because they're from those communities and people know them and they trust them. Mm-hmm. And that in this marketplace is kind of nice to see that you know people will have the option of stores and the stores will have to compete with these legacy purveyors and providers and so how we work that out in the future who becomes the enforcement mechanism for these different businesses that's going to be the 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 great next stage to watch because i think listen nobody has a stomach for arrests right Right. nobody wants to see the nypd come in but what i think you're gonna see is what we see in california which is 
the health department coming in. Well, the board of equalization, right? Like the tax collectors are going, listen, we don't really care if you have the proper permit for that. That's not our department. But what we care about is how much you sold and whether or not we get our eight and a half percent. So keep your tax records. You know, you can say the taxes included in the price, but you need to render onto Caesar what is Caesar's because, you know, New York State, I think uh, Cresco asked for, uh, you know, uh, 23 million or something, 35 million in subsidies to grow up in Ulster County, upstate New York. Okay. And after New York gave away 850 million to the Buffalo Bills, uh, people are really trying to raid the uh, tax coffers. Uh-huh. So they are looking to refill them and replenish them, uh-huh. you know, however they can. And I think that's going to end up being what the sticker stores, these record stores, the art galleries, if you're involved in, you know, gray market cannabis commerce, beware of the tax man. He will eventually come up. April, what are some of your favorite uh, things to do as a cannabis tourist in New York City? Tell you what. Get ripped in Central Park and go to the um, Museum of Natural History and go to mm, Hayden Planetarium call. or uh, like look at the crystals. That's what I like to do. Walk around, look at people. I have friends that are those, so I like to have them drive me around. I like getting driven around in the city and just... Uh-huh. <laughs> I do the fucked up shit, drive around in the city and smoke weed in the car. That's what I like to do. As the- <laughs> <laughs> um, It's fun. I like people watching there. I, I try to avoid places like Times Square. Um, yeah, uh, Alphabet City, but I don't know really what it's like anymore. All the things that I liked on St. Mark's Place are gone. So, yeah, it's changed Great. a little bit. St. Mark's has still got a vibe, but it's you know, most of the stores that brought that kind of punk aesthetic have kind of moved around the corner. Trash and Vaudeville still on uh, East 7th instead of the uh, St. Mark's, but there is there, there's still a little bit of that, you know. Grimy, grungy. I was just in Tompkins Square Park over the weekend listening to a live band. And, you know, I'm looking at the kind of punk aesthetic that still come out to the park on a weekend to hear live music. And, you know, the music's not permitted, which is part of the you know, punk the aesthetic. Punk aesthetic so, yeah. <laughs> as I'm looking around and you're like, listen, you know, if if every single one of these folks here could be registered and organized, we really could have socialist, you know, leadership in the city and use, you know, all that Wall Street executive, uh, you know, high rise condo skyscraper money for the people in the state. And we really could have a credible uh, socialist leadership here. But, uh, you know, organizing in those kinds of spaces, very difficult. People with fancy yeah. and addresses, hard to register and find out when Election Day is. And worse, you don't have the political leadership that really inspires to get everybody out. Nobody's really excited about a former police officer turned mayor. Uh, who is you know yeah. in his, well, his honeymoon's over anyway you know yeah. recent and events exactly and the crackdowns are all misguided and going back to a broken windows theory of policing which was flawed in the first place but there are real concerns there's real safety issues that need to be addressed and you should focus on those and not you know a turnstile jumper because nobody right. cares about you know two dollars 75 cent fare yeah. evasion I care about people getting shot 10 times. So right, 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 right. That is, uh, that is unfortunately, you know, as New York struggles to, to go through this adjustment, one of those things where you really have to not just adjust, you know, the, the individual's expectations, but also the, you know, the rank and file law enforcement for their entire careers up until this point. I said, you know, if you smell cannabis, easy arrest, go get yeah, easy arrest, fish in a barrel. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's very true. Um, let me ask another question of you, Dan. Uh, you know that there's obviously a whole world of 
speakeasies existing in in the city there in, in Manhattan and across all five boroughs. Tell me a little bit, having worked in uh, a traditional, uh, you know, 215 environment uh, of legal cannabis in California, uh, what are some of the ups and downs, uh, pros and cons, or, you know, do a little bit of foiling on those two experiences? Because I'm sure you've been uh, to your, to a speakeasy in the city. And what was that experience like for you? And what was that? What is, what does it leave to be desired against the California dispensary, for example? Yeah, I mean, listen, man, beggars and choosers, right? Like, if you're used to, uh, you know, hauling up your plug and they come over and maybe they have a couple varieties, you know, um, maybe you actually have two or three choices in flour, but it's very expensive, um, even as the prices have come down over the last few years. And you don't have the selection. And then you walk into one of these kind of speakeasy, smokeasy spaces, and they do have, you know, maybe a dozen flower choices, you know, arranging uh, between, you know, sativas, indicas, and hybrids, and uh, some edibles and pre-roll choices, and maybe there are some concentrates and a little bit of hash, but not nearly the breadth of selection that one has come to expect in a well-stocked dispensary in California. Can and then on top of it, I'm sorry, we we're going to say, was, can, can you smoke in them? Well, yeah, that's so it depends on how large the space is. There are some with lounges attached and there's others that, you know, don't. And you just kind of come in, get your pre-roll and then, you know, you can stand on the sidewalk outside and smoke. But yes. it's nice. Uh, the bigger ones that have uh, couches and TVs set up in a real relaxing atmosphere. And those are nice. You know, it's nice that to be there. Nice. Um, that adds to the experience, you know, if it's absolutely. a little bit upcharge and weed but you're getting to use that space and chill and smoke with your friends so yeah cool yeah and if you want to listen you know like uh i, I have beer at home but i like to go out to a bar because i enjoy yeah. the social atmosphere of being around people the same thing i kept reminding myself uh at the marketplace on 420 it was you know dan as much as you want to buy a little bit of everything and sample everybody's products and go home with you know tons and tons of new flour you have flour at home use our flowers at home before we go out and get more um, well, i hope to see for uh for for uh, the summertime in the city as people having more picnics at the park and just smoking you said people can smoke anywhere you can smoke oh you can't smoke at the parks anymore yeah, yeah. technically you're not allowed that. the park is the one place where you're not allowed to uh, oh, smoke tobacco well, but nobody's really that. cracked down on that that i've seen even uh, 50 different states 50 well, you know, flavors of legalization. It's, this is insane, right? Well, you can smoke in Golden Gate Park. You can't smoke in Central Park. Designed by the same people. The bon- I remember the Bonhaver's <laughs> game. We used to puff tough and the games. I was never on the team. But then all of a sudden they put that law into effect. of smoking at the parks. And then vape pens were invented. So kind of figured yeah. it out. And honestly, in a post-COVID world where so many people are in the park, social distancing, socializing in their groups, but away from everybody else, Nobody's really coming in and, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking open containers in the parks either. It's not stopped anybody from uh, opening bottles or, you know, enjoying some cans or white claws or whatever it is. So uh, there's there's still a lot to do, um, a lot to enjoy, even if, you know, we're not quite yet at the level of um, where California is at. And I would say the biggest drawback, honestly, is the counterfeiting. 
is the brand copying. People are familiar with some of the California brands, some of the best yeah. California companies. And out here, somebody will just, you know, they'll buy a thousand little empty bags that say cookies on them and throw something in because people know the cookies brand. Right. No alien right. Labs. You know, some of the smaller brands that are popular in California that haven't quite made it to the East Coast. If you were to say to somebody, you know, hey, I got, uh, you know, pink certs, they say, so what? But they know runts, you know, they know Skittles, they know some of the more popular names. And so you get a lot of, hey, I'm telling you this is something, but it's very hard to trust that that's anything other than just a marketing play, that what you're really getting is what they say it is. And then, you know, there's an issue of, um, of staleness of, of, of just oh. how long the cannabis has been there and sitting. Uh, yes. Cause and all of be- us, yeah. I mean the born on day, right? We have regulated <laughs> cannabis in California. The one really good benefit is that you could look at the packaging and know what day that flower was either packaged or harvested. And tested. Or harvested. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Packaged. Yeah. So, so knowing just a little bit of that information and listen, you know, um, Another old SSDP or friend of ours, uh, Eric Casey, who's in Worcester, Massachusetts, asked the question on uh, his Twitter, you know, how old is too old? You know, if you go to the store that says that pre-roll was... Uh, like six months you know, old, it's too fucking old. Yeah, but, you know, six months, too much. Three well, months, for some... For some for, for, well, well, hold on. Some, some big flower companies that I, we, you know, we talk to them all the time in our tours, um, they're telling me that they're actually buying back flour, indoor, high-grade indoor flour. They're buying it back from the dispensary after 30 days because after 30 days, nobody wants it anymore. Wow. Yeah. So this is I like mean, a thing, like they're buying yeah. it back to maintain their brand integrity and their, and their quality, you know? So, so that's a, that's a move, right? That's, you know, don't let your weed get old on somebody's shelf. Cause it, it just hurts your brand. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you can white label it into a pre-roll and nobody will know that it was your brand. So, uh, hey, anyone who's buying a pre-roll anywhere, doesn't matter where you are, you're already, you're already like succumbing to, it's like a, what is that? The old say, it's like a half eaten banana, you know? Oh, it's I like, was going to say, uh, friends don't let friends smoke pre-rolls. Which was also <laughs> you're already friends, buying uh, a half eaten banana. You're buying a half eaten <laughs> banana. <laughs> so anyway, oh man. But hey, uh, let me ask, let me go around Robin real quick before we start to wrap up. What's, uh, what's uh, April? What are you smoking? What's in your pipe right now? Oh, I can't remember the name. My friend told me yesterday it's like that Moonbow, and I think it's crossed with Kosher Kush. Maybe it's called Kushdo or. That sounds awesome. It's awesome. I like a good Kosher Kush. Happy Passover for anybody who just wrapped that up. Yes. Um, Yeah. So that was. uh, Actually, it's really interesting because I was talking to somebody outside uh, on 420 who had Kosher. you know, chocolate covered matzo. We we're talking about kosher edibles oh. and the, the the validity of whether or not um, you know any edible for adult use can be considered kosher and the rabbinical debates around that. So uh, you know, as they say, uh, <laughs> two Jews, three opinions. Uh, there's definitely uh, three opinions about you know kosher cannabis, cannabis. But yeah, kosher kush, mwah, one of my favorites. Amazing. Yeah, I love. It's very pungent, and this moonbow is very pungent. This is very crystalline, delicious. And Dan, what are you smoking on, bud? Uh, I, I, I'm still on some gushers that I got my last trip to California, but I got this uh, Indiana bubble gum while I was at oh. the 420 event, which is delicious. 
What does that um, smell like? It smells like the original bubble gums of the well, day. You know, it's it, it's got it's got some hints of that with um, you know some other crosses in there. I don't know a little bit more of that. Indiana is like an OG, but it really does. Ah, have that the candy gas. It's like a candy gas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's and everybody's it's on. Yeah, that everybody's after that. That knows that aroma to when you were, um, you know, in the nineties. Oh, nineties. It's yeah, almost yeah. like the two best things from the nineties came together. It was like yeah. the candy weeds that were like the bubble gums, the candy lands, and then you had the gassy OGs that were really popular early. Yeah, that were the sour popular. diesels, the New York City yeah. diesels, the really gassy diesels, and those two really kind of married in this one, which was great. I, you know, listen, one of the things in the Hash yeah. Plant. Oh, hash plant. So, yeah. well, listen, in the in the in the two fifteen days, in the pre sixty four days, when I worked at the dispensary, and you could smell the flour before you left the store, and so people would come in and they would, you know, they'd smell everything on the top shelf or everything in their price range, whatever their tier was. And now, you know, there's I, I look at something, I see their 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 stats, their THC levels, their terpene levels, and if I get it home, and you're like, I probably wouldn't have walked out the store with this. Had I gotten the chance to smell it first. And what was right. really nice at this marketplace was you could smell everything they had. Yeah. Just you could smell, you know, six, 12, however many options. No one's going to kick table. you out of line. Yep. Right. And then you could really walk away with what it was that you wanted the best, who had the bouquet that you wanted the most instead of, you know, who had a clever name. Yeah, I think we've lost a lot of that with legalization, right? I think the old traditional 215 days had us really, really uh, – the, the folks of us that – those of us that had access in the 215 days were really going to dispensaries as a matter of almost like cannabis tourism, right? We were buying our medicine, but we were like, oh, what do these guys have? What do these guys have? And now I feel like a lot of the consumers have just gone to like – What's closest? What's nearest my house? What do you and have at this price rate? Suck. Yeah, what brands right. don't suck? Yeah, it's just like you're trying to just stay afloat in a market uh, that's pretty. It's an eighty twenty market, right? Like eighty percent of it is noise and twenty percent of it is good. And yeah. where are you going to find the twenty percent? And that's why you take an Emerald Farm tour or you go out with April and hire away travel. We'll tell you what those brands are. So that was our shameless, selfless plug for the day. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan. Um, so you're we we I'm right now I'm smoking um uh I'm what am I smoking I'm smoking some uh handed off uh emerald cup uh mystery uh, oh mystery. well, let me see this. Let me see the stickers. Oh, what, uh, so April does know. So I've got some uh, limonines, some L's. Okay, so that's actually part of the Jackson hazes. That uh huh. And then I've got myself some purples, which I think are the candy gases. That is the candy gases. There we go. See, it's the a really – uh, I don't make these things up when I say silly words like candy gas. It's a real thing, guys. Um, but, yeah, so real quick, I'm smoking on some of this candy. I don't know what this is, but this stuff looks great. It's super clean. tastes great. Uh, it's got a super mellow, um, like, candy sweetness to uh, – Did you get that from uh, Juan? Yeah. What number is it underneath? Oh man! I have those. Remember, H- you saw my judging number sixty-four. Sixty-four. Oh, H thirty. I don't know. There's all H30, kinds of thirty. Okay. What's it? You liked H thirty? Was that yeah. a good one? Yeah, it made me super motivated and energized. And it like, does. I did a bunch of shit around the house that I was like kind of putting off, and you know how you just ride the wave of motivation. 
You know, April is a real. Like, I would love to have April judge any of my any competition I I, I would ever host. I mean, April really takes this thing seriously, right? Oh, like, yeah, I like just shouted. People. I just told you H thirty. She was like, "Yeah, that one made me really feel great." Yeah, I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, that's pretty impressive, April." What's on the other one? Uh, the other one is a B one. B one. So that is one of the liquids. I don't know. I don't remember it. Yeah, it's got a big rock in the middle of uh, THC distillate, so it should be uh, very intense when I break that down. Yeah, anyway, big old rocks. Yeah. So anyway, here we are at the end of our episode. I want to thank everybody for listening. And before we go, we have our usual, uh, you know, get our we got to get our high on tour uh, hot hot take from uh, our guest Dan. What's our high on tour hot take for the day? Oof. Uh, put me on the spot. I don't know how to do this. Uh, anything, say, anything, anything you want, my, my friend. My hot take is that uh, within the year, actually, it will only be one more year uh, before New York has those kinds of competitions and cups. Maybe not quite as robust as the Emerald Cup because nothing will match the Emerald Cup. But mm-hmm. I think that we will yeah. soon see, you know, the empire of uh, Big Apple Cannabis Cups coming through. And you know, really have the options that you guys all enjoy in California as connoisseurs out here that we should all have as many choices that we all have educators break down as the Emerald Cup has, uh, not just, you know, crude labels like Indica, Sativa, and Hybrid, but really, you know, break down the gases, the jacks, the spices, the desserts, the, you know, the OGs, the cushions, and uh, the exotics and everything in between. So, we will continue to see more cannabis education and the consumer become more sophisticated and demand uh, a better quality product that I think the big brands are going to have a hard time matching compared to some of the farmers that I saw who came down from, you know, uh, the other Northeast states, the places where there have been a tradition for decades of legacy growers in Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire. So uh, a year from now, I think the Northeast cannabis scene uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, even Pennsylvania eventually will be uh, a much different scene than we saw this 420. That's my hot take. Amazing. Thank you very much to our guest, Dan Grassroots Thank Goldman you. from the uh, famed podcast, Marijuana Tomorrow. What's the slogan, Dan? Everybody knows what happened in marijuana today, but now you know what's happening in marijuana tomorrow. Check him out on your favorite podcast uh, distribution network. Uh, He's on all of them. He's also on Spotify. Check him out. Thank you. On behalf of April and I, uh, April, do you want to say anything to our guests? Any goodbyes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of do. And it was a pleasure to meet with you and talk with you, Dan. I've heard a lot about you. So cheers to meeting you. Fresh bowls to that. Thank you so much. On behalf of everybody at Emerald Farm Tours, April Black and Higherway Travel, I want to thank Dan Grassroots Goldman for joining us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. As always, smoke them if you got them. Stay high.
let's rewind to fish the fish shows right there was all these fish shows i have to give props up to sirius fm because they had all those shows and i was my birthday was on friday 4 22 and i was driving up to the bay to celebrate with some friends and also to meet up with victor and they were playing the shows from the night before and they did that all weekend so that's I just, awesome that was fucking true to the culture and i just wanted to big big them up even though they're like a big huge corporation but that was true to the culture i don't know if fish had something to do with that it also made me realize i like fish a little bit more <laughs> uh, like when the singing is not happening but the music is incredible and they're all fine musicians and so i really enjoyed listening to the shows as i was driving and they were totally different sets 